You know, some of you may not know this, um, but Darren and I have been married for uh, 16 years. We've been together. It'll be this year. It'll be 20 years that we've actually been together. And uh, so I don't consider us an expert by any means on the topic of marriage. But what I do uh, is that I am a student of marriage. Why? Because I want to make sure I don't get a failing grade. And uh, so uh, it is a, something very near and dear to my heart. Why? Because I am married. And I want to make sure that I do it well. And I want to make sure that, uh, you know, for as long as I live, that this lady over here loves me. And, uh, you know, at least in most days likes me. That one's kind of, that's the harder one, you know. But uh, we want to make sure of that. And so uh, as we're talking about these uh, today, there's a few questions that we're going to answer. And so there is a number that you can also text. Uh, that you can actually send in questions today. So even as we're talking about some things, and so the number's up there on the screen. And um, so we're going to be able to, you know, so I may say something, Darren may say something that kind of sparks a question in you, and you can text that in. And if we can, we're going to squeeze in as much content as we can today. And uh, But, uh, yeah, so this is Dara, if you don't know. She is my wife. and uh, But uh, we have two kids, and we've been married for a while, and we've learned a lot of things. And so uh, today we're going to be talking about marriage. So I want to give you a couple ground rules this morning. This is important. Everybody know, how many of you know that rules matter? So here's the ground rules for this morning, and, and they're important. So number one, no elbows. You know, none of this business. Like, hey, did you hear that? And uh, so that's, that's rule number one is no elbows. Number two is no eye rolls. No huffing under the breath, like, <clears throat> <clears throat> you know, no side glaring, you know, just you paying attention, you know, none of that. And uh, so here's another one. Rule number three is listen for yourself, not your spouse. That one's important. Listen for yourself and not your spouse. And here's the fourth rule. And this one's not as important today, but maybe in a few days. You're not allowed to say, didn't you hear pastors say That's bad when my wife says that to me. Because she's like, I think the pastor said something about that on Sunday. And I'm like, Dad, God, I did, didn't I? And uh, so, uh, but, uh, so we're going to tackle a few things and talk about a few things this morning. And so, uh, tell you what, let's just pray. And then we are going to get into this. And so, Father, we just thank you right now. Father, we invite you into this moment. We invite you into our lives, into our hearts, into our relationships. And so, Father, we thank you, Father, that you're the author of life. You're, you, uh, marriage was your idea. And so, Father, we thank you that uh, whether we're currently married, whether we have a desire to be married, Father, whether we're on the backside of a marriage that's fell apart, Father, I thank you that you have a plan, Father, that your grace is sufficient for every one of us. And so, Father, we thank you. Father, for your desire for every one of us, and we thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. You want to read the question or you want me to? I'll read the question. You'll read the question. Okay. Okay, so it says, the first one is, how important is communication in your marriage? (laughs) I got a one-word answer. Everything. It, It is everything. And, uh, you know, I think that there's, and obviously we could spend a lot of time on this, but um, let me give you an example biblically. Uh, Communication matters, uh, and not just the fact that it happens, but many times the fact that it doesn't happen um, is even more important, which that more tends to happen for the men in the room, uh, because we don't want to talk about it, you know, and so we have those moments, and so, you know, but really, you can take it all the way back to the book of Genesis, the very beginning. The original sin was actually silence. 
if you really want to get technical, the original sin was Adam being silent when Eve made a decision that wasn't wise. And instead of stepping into his role as the protector of his wife and saying, nope, that's, that goes against God's standard, he just went along with it. So, and this can play on both sides, is that for men or for women, is that silence is not the answer. Communication has to happen. You know, and you may be here today and you think, well, you know, I'm not married. I was married. I'm never getting married. I don't ever want to get married again. This doesn't apply to me. Sure it does. Because I guarantee you're going to have an opportunity to help somebody who will be married. Even if you have no intention of ever getting married again. Uh, You will be able to speak into somebody's life. And communication is huge. Huge. I mean, it's massive. I mean, you know, one of the, I guess because of our life, me and Dara have spent a lot of windshield time. You know what I mean by that? We've spent a lot of time in the car driving. We used to live 12 hours from my parents, 16 hours from her dad, and we would drive. Well, we would spend the majority of those times talking. And so, you know, and and that was huge because, I, I mean, I wonder where our marriage would be today if we didn't have all that kind of forced time to talk a little bit. Not that it would be horrible, but I think there were a lot of things that we were able to talk about in those car rides that we were able to really get on the same page. And without communication, it's going to be pretty hard to be on the same page. You know, I mean, I I was an athlete growing up and, you know, we would have plays and things that the coach would lay out that we would run. Well, how would we know, you know, I mean, you know, it's like when you play flag football and it's just kind of like a free-for-all and everybody's running all over the place and there's really no, it's kind of hard to do much. But when there's a coordinated effort, it's amazing how things can work. Well, that's the same is true in marriage. But there's got to be good communication. There has to be. Uh, for marriage to work. And so I think part of uh, what comes along with this, and we had a question along this line as well, which is in the area of making assumptions. Many times we choose to make assumptions in our relationship versus having a conversation. As opposed to, well, this is what they want, this is what they, you know, so forth, so on. We make assumptions on things, and so we kind of jump the gun. As opposed to really asking, hey, are you okay? Because it's easy to be like, ah, they're fine, Right? Everything's good. But have you asked the question? Like really asked the question? And really allowed for some conversation and allowed the, like for me, I'm like, I want to ask a question. I want an answer. And she's like, hey, I need a minute to think. Give me a moment. Yeah. And she may even, that moment may be, let me talk to you tomorrow. And I'm like, but I'm ready right now. You know? And I make assumptions like, well, what's there to think about here? You know? And she's like, I need time to think. You just asked me a question I've not thought about. That's why I love this kind of environment. Because I'm like, just send me some questions. Let me just start answering them. I, but she's not that way. You know, and so we can make some assumptions simply because we are different. Our spouses are different. The way we think is different. You know, and I think that also leads into we have to manage some expectations. Well, how are you going to do that? You got to talk. You got to communicate. You got to be honest. Like, if I was going to tell you one thing about communication that I see that lacks in many, many, many marriages, and it's one of the things that me and her have talked about really since we first got married, was that we were always going to be honest. No matter what, we would always be honest. So we don't keep secrets. We don't have, you know, I mean, now, I know, and if you do this, it's not a knock on that. We don't have like a joined Facebook page or anything like that. But she has every password. She could get access to anything. I mean, if she asked me, I'd say, here you go. I've gotten, why? Because we have no secrets. So, you know, and that's big. If you're hiding it, there's a problem. That's just the truth. 
You're like, oh, well, you know, it's, it's nothing. It's not a big deal. If you're hiding it, there's a reason. And it's because your conscience is actually telling you, don't do that. Many times. And so, you know, we have to do that. We have to be willing to really manage those, even our, kind of our expectations. And, and we have to tell them, you know. Well, and I would say that um, a lot of times as women might put certain expectations on him, you know, saying that, oh, I expect him to do this. And then he doesn't go through with it. And then you get disappointed. But that's not fair to them that, uh, you know, I put that expectation on him and I didn't even tell him about it. And then I'm disappointed and now he's in trouble because (laughs) he didn't live up to that expectation. And I think a lot of times we just, we think, oh, well, he knows, he knows that's what I want. Well, he knows that's how I, you know, that's what I need. And, um, and that's not necessarily fair because they don't know a lot of times and you have to spell it out a little more clear. (laughs) Well, you know, and, and many of you are probably familiar with this. There's a book called The Five Love Languages, which is basically how you love. Well, you and your spouse do not have the same love language. Me and Dare is totally different. I'm access service. Like, I'm going to go wash her car. I'm going to get the oil changed. I'm going to do stuff. And I can work like a dog all day long and be like, look at all this amazing stuff I did for you. And I don't care. And she doesn't care. <laughs> She's like, appreciate it, you know. But hers is really... He could, he could go buy me a pack of M&M's and an Icy. Boom. And, and Winning right there. It's a gift, you I'm know, and you. it's a surprise. And yep. it's like, oh, you thought of me. That's yep. so sweet. Yeah. <laughs> well, and, and even in that, I mean, yeah. that's true, I, you know, because one of hers is gifts. Like, you know, and for me, I'm like, oh, my gosh, that means that, you know, I got to get some bling. <laughs> it means something big. And it's not. It's not. It, it, many times it's just, hey, I was thinking about you. And I know that you enjoy this. And so here's your, which she's an icy snob, which I'm not going to get into that. Every, everybody's a snob about something, by the way. I'm a Dr. Pepper snob. Don't mess with my Dr. Pepper. And, uh, you know, so it's got to be right. But it's little things. Not all communication is verbal. So when we're talking about communication and marriage and why is it so important, it's not all just necessarily a conversation. Sometimes, especially when I was working a lot, I would text her during the day just to say, hey, I'm thinking about you. Hey, how's your day going? Well, I had to be intentional about that. That's, I mean, texting is a pretty low form of communication, but it, does, it can be effective. And even in those moments, it's not like, hey, I'm trying to get some brownie points. How are you doing today? That's not, that's not the goal. The goal is actually, how are you doing today? Like, especially right now, because we have two little ones and, you know, and they can be challenging in days where it's like, hey, it's a little rough. And maybe I need to think of a way to be a blessing to her. Maybe it's so that I come home with the mindset of, hey, when I get home, why don't you go take a shower and I'm going to take care of the kids. As opposed to, man, I've been working all day. I've been doing all these things. And so I realize that many times that I'm speaking to it from the man perspective. But um, the truth is, is that those things communicate. You know, and and so I think it's important for us in marriage to understand our expectations and be realistic. And uh, we're going to talk about a few other things uh, along this way or along this as well. And so, you know, here's one of my thoughts on this. And I actually got it from a guy named Paul Trokel. Many of you know him. He's a missionary. But this changed kind of maybe, uh, I'm not going to say it changed, but it really helped me. uh, Kind of one of our ground rules in our house, our family rules, is this, is that you can say anything, but tone matters. You can say anything, but tone matters. For years, we haven't done this in a long time, but for years, we would say what phrase to one another? Don't talk to me that way. <laughs> and we would say it to each other because we're very honest. We're, we're from honest families. 
but we could both be pretty cutting with our words. Proverbs says that death and life are in the power of the tongue, and those who love it will eat the fruit of it. So I can either speak words, she could speak words that are either building our relationship, either drawing us closer, or we can speak words that are drawing a wedge between us and actually pushing us apart. And it's very important. And so, you know, that that no, I'll say it this way, if one partner is silent in a relationship, somebody's probably being dominated. Somebody is, is being too heavy. And so, and that can, that's more of my personality to be heavy. Like, I want answers, I'm, I'm more driven, I'm more, we got to get this done. But yet I have to be more gracious that if she says not right now, that I have to say okay. Even though everything in me wants to say, no, we're going to have this conversation. <laughs> right? But I have to, what, love my wife as Christ loves the church, laying my life down, laying everything that I want down for her. And so that even comes into this area of communication. I don't get my way all the time. So if she says not now, that means not now. So. I mean, I would say, and for most of the times, it's good to have a break when you can't talk about it right now because a lot of stuff is going to come out that you didn't need to say or want to say or mean that way. So um, it is better to take a pause um, in that moment. So. And there's definitely times where I'll say, hey, I, we don't need to have this conversation right now. Because I, I'm on edge and I can feel it. I, I can feel it. And I'm like, we just don't need to talk right now. Like, give me 30 minutes, give me an hour, let me go clear my head, let me go pray. <laughs> Lord, help me. <laughs> you know, I mean, I, I'll tell on myself here a couple weeks ago, I won't go into all the details, but so we live in Sulphur right now. And so I had driven, brought the kids over here. I was at the church. I'd just gotten here. And Dara texts me and says, hey, you have both of my car keys. I'm like, bless the Lord, oh, my soul. And so I shot back. I actually back. said, you're not going to like me right now. <laughs> and my response was not kind. I'll say it that way. And, um, and about, I don't know, I wasn't even on 210 Bridge yet. And the Holy Spirit convicted me really sharply about it. I mean, pretty sharply. And, and I just, I had, and so I, I sent their message back. I said, hey, I'm sorry. I shouldn't have responded like that. I'm on my way. You know. But it was a moment where, and again, I'm just being honest with you, where I'm like, Dad, I just got over here, and I got to drive over there and drive back through traffic. And, then, you know, and the enemy comes and starts, why can't she just put her key in the same spot every day? Why can't you do that? I mean, all those things. <laughs> and it's the enemy, but I'm glad that the Holy Spirit spoke to me. Why? Because that was a failure in, in communication, that I had to respond to her better. And realize that she's not just my wife, but she's actually God's daughter. And so when I'm not pleasant towards her or, or proper towards her, it's probably a better way to say that, that God takes that kind of personally. I mean, I wouldn't let just anybody go talk to one of my kids in a way that I didn't approve of. Well, she's God's daughter, you know. And, and so uh, we need to keep those things in mind and uh, along that. So. We can move on. I could preach on that one all day. But. So how do you navigate uh, through different seasons in your marriage? Um, basically, I guess you got the answer right after that. But mm-hmm. um, we have different seasons in our marriage, and I think that we've um, become different people than when we first got married. Um, we were 22 and, and 23. 23. So um, you're just learning about life a lot and 
over the years, I think our personalities have changed a bit and um, learned more about ourselves, become more comfortable in your skin. But you have to navigate those seasons and give grace to each other um, as you're changing. And, um, well, that's not the same person I married, you know. But at the same time, we go through different seasons and we're growing together. And so we've got to give grace, and right? Right. And I think that's key right there is you have to grow together because you can grow apart. And if you're not intentional about growing together, you will grow apart. And so even in every season, you know, I mean, I've heard somebody say it like this. is like, I've been married to five women. She just looked the same. <laughs> right? Like, it's amazing. She looks exactly the same. But in every season of life, you know, I mean, when Indira said it, is that we had to find out who we were as people, as individuals. Well, we changed. I mean, I'm not the same guy that she married. She's not the same woman that I married necessarily. But what we've done is we've actually grown together. And it's always been something we've been very intentional about. I mean, we waited a long time to have kids. I mean, we were 12 years married before we had our son, Max. That's a long time. And you get into a, a hole like this is normal forever. And now it's like, no, it ain't. Well, she's changed. I've changed. Priority shift and all those things. Well, guess what? We have to give grace to one another during this season. And so here's the simple answer is this. You have to remain flexible. It's, it sounds simple, but it's really not. But you have to remain flexible. You have to give grace to another. It's unfair. Now, let me say this. I'll put this in my notes. Is that it's unfair to have certain expectations from past seasons. It's unfair. It would be unfair for me to have the same expectations on Dara today that I did five years ago because we didn't have kids. So, you know, like just practically. Why isn't, you know, I don't know, whatever it is. Where's my socks? Where's the laundry? Where's, why isn't the kitchen clean? Well, because we have two maniacs running around the house. <laughs> That's why. And she's exhausted. And it's maybe not, hey, that you don't have to do these. Maybe I need to help. And, and recognize the season that we're in. And so you have to remain flexible. You can't just say, well, you know, it's just the way it was when we got married. Yeah, but it, it's very different today. Even culturally, things are very different today. You may have a spouse uh, who works. You may, you may both work for that matter. Well, that changes things. You know, if, if when you got married, your wife or, or, you know, one of the spouses wasn't working, but today you're both working, it's a new season. Things have changed. And so you've got to, to realize that and to really pick up on that. And, and so it's important that, that your expectations change even with the seasons. And so, um, you know, there's an ebb and flow to life. There is. Nothing stays the same. That's what I know. Nothing stays the same, ever. So to think, well, we got married, it's just going to be perfect and all this, things change. And yet the commitment doesn't change. That's what can't change is the commitment one to another. That's got to stay the same in every season. And so that, that's really important. And so, so I have, we had a question, and, uh, but instead of answering it, I want to show you a clip. So the, the video clip is about selfishness. And um, it's actually from the XO Marriage Conference. It's a guy named Tim Ross uh, that we were a part of uh, a couple years ago. And uh, so they were asking about how do you not be selfish in marriage and this and that. And, uh, you know, and so the truth is, is that God sent you a mate for a reason. And uh, there, the God has a plan for it very specifically. And uh, there are things that are in us that won't come out until somebody else draws them out. And if we're not careful, we can make them, the spouse, the enemy. When in fact, it's actually God working through our spouse to try to make us better. 
And so I want to share this video clip with you that kind of talks about this, and it's pretty funny. So, My love is, is not going to uh, uh, seem sacrificial until it feels like it. Any, any, anybody ever done anything? Husbands, be real right now. Any, have you ever done something for your wife and, and you felt like you were dying? <laughs> you ever did something for your wife or the family and the kids and you were like, <laughs> and then you did it? That's what it really feels like. It's not really a sacrifice until it feels like you're sacrificing. You're not really dying until you feel like you're dying. Hey, babe, can you do, I mean, you get in the bed, under the covers, and your wife says, honey, can you do me a favor? Sure, babe. Anything you want. Could you go to the store? And get me a carton of unsweetened almond milk? But not from Walmart. The one from Kroger? You need it now? Yeah, babe, I was gonna do it earlier, but then everything with the kids and then just, and I'm not feeling well, and so could you? Yeah! Of course I'll do it. Can't even act, don't, why did you even act like it was a favor? What are you talking about? I'm your husband, you should be able to come to me. And you get out of the bed and everything in you is dying. You are warding off the enemy in the background. Can't believe she waited till you got in the bed. I mean, you, you walked past the bed three times and still had on your pajamas. She could have asked you at any point, but no, she waited till you got out of your clothes, took off your socks, got under the sheet, and then put your head, and then she gonna ask. You would never ask her to do this for you, but she gonna sit here and act like, and you're just like, die, die, die. Yeah. How many realize that that is true? Why? Because the sp- our spouse comes to what? To refine. Right? All of these little things that we don't realize are things yet. You know what I'm saying? And yet God sends a spouse to what? That causes those things to come to the surface. And we have to what? Die to self. We have to. It's actually part of God's plan for marriage. Why? Because the more that we are selfless, the more we are Christ-like. And there are, doesn't matter, every relationship in my life could only refine me to a point. And I have really close friends. I'm close with my family. Those relationships could only refine me to a point. My relationship with her 
stuck me right back in the middle of the furnace. Because she would say things like, do you realize you came across like, nope, no one has ever told me that before. Well, now I have a choice. I can either create her as being the enemy or I can relate to her the way that God is, which is a gift to me that God sent into my life for my betterment. But it's easy to say, let me judge you for a second. Let me get in your business for a moment. Now that you don't, I'm glad you brought that up. Let me tell you something on my mind. I know y'all never do those things. Since we're being honest, you know, kind of those kinds of comments. And yet, if we recognize it for what it is, it's actually God working in our life. And yet we could actually, by opposing our spouse, be opposing what God is doing in our life. And that's not a good place to be. And so... I think there's some things along that lines um, that we have to be mindful of. You know, um, let me read you a couple of verses along this line. Uh, in Matthew chapter 19, verse 12. I'm going to read this out of the message translation if I can get it to come up. Um, it, it makes the statement. I'm not going to read the whole scripture. But there, somebody had, they'd asked Jesus a question about marriage and this and that. And Jesus, in, in the message translation at the end of the verse, it says this. If you're capable of growing into the largeness of marriage, do it. God did not give us uh, a relationship to decrease us, quite the opposite. But we have to grow into it. Nobody is ready for marriage when we got married. We have to grow into it. And God's desire is that marriage actually enlarges. It's the principle of multiplication. What I could do by myself will fail in comparison to what I will ever do with her. Because she doesn't just make me better. She makes me multiplied better. And the same is true in every relationship. You're not just a sidekick. No, the, the power of agreement, even in prayer, is, is multiplied different and, and better. And so we have to know that and realize that. And so is, and let me say this along the same line about selfishness, is that marriage is a partnership, not a competition. If you're keeping a scorecard... Well, hey, I went and mowed the grass, I washed your car, I did the dishes, I washed the kids, I took care of the dog. What you been doing today? Guess what? You're already in trouble. And I say that because that would be me. I got my scorecard. Check, 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 check. I got my to-do list. I knocked it out for you, girl. <laughs> like, it was all for you. And she's like, I don't care about the grass for sure. I'm like, well, it's embarrassing. The neighbors look at me funny when I drive by. So I got to do something about it. But marriage is, it's a partnership. It is. It's a partnership, not competition. And it's easy to, to make it about that. Well, and I so. would say uh, one of the best moments, times that we've had is when we've kind of tried to outserve each other. Like, what can I do for you? And how can I help you? And then vice versa. And, I mean, those are moments that um, it's just really, if we try to keep that at the forefront, um, it helps get rid of a lot of that selfishness. <laughs> no. And pride, <laughs> but I mean, we've learned to grow together, and I feel like, um, you know, if we let go of the selfishness, God just is able to um, teach us new things about ourselves and help us grow, and um, he's been my best encourager, and, you know, I to him, too, and so it's like, they should be, you should be each other's best cheerleader, and, and cheering them on for the goals that they have, and the dreams that they have in their heart. You know, you're, you can only speak to that like nobody else can. 
and you know those deep things in each other's heart that you probably haven't told anybody else, you know. And um, so we encourage each other to press forward. Yeah. I mean, I wouldn't be where I am today and who I am today if it wasn't for her. Because I would have quit. I would have just said, this ain't worth it. It's just the truth. Um, You know, and so, uh, you know, and I would believe she would say the same thing, is that there are things that we speak to in one another to draw out of each other. Um, You know, and it's important. I mean, that's why they we're called, what, helpers. We come alongside one another and we add to. And so it's very important that we keep that in mind, but uh, just realizing that God is working in your relationship. And so uh, whenever we're selfish, it means we're self-focused. It means we're just in it for us. And no healthy marriage can be, can be lived like that. A healthy marriage is when she's my priority and I'm her priority. And if that's the case, if her needs are my priority and my needs are hers, then guess what? Both of our needs are going to get met. But the agenda is not, I'm going to get my needs met. The agenda is, we're going to serve one another in love towards Christ that we can, what, grow together and be better in the end. And so, uh, so the next question is, kind of ties in a little bit, but I think it's a funny question, but do uh, you want to read it or me too? I'll let, how about this? I'm going to read it, and then I'm going to let you answer it. Oh. <laughs> See, I just made her nervous. I just made her nervous. She had these questions before, though, but... So, how do you love your spouse even when you don't always like them? Mm. <laughs> well. Go get with Jesus. <laughs> Go get with Jesus. <laughs> no, I mean, we've always had a saying, like, when we're in an argument or whatever, um, a lot of times, a lot of the problems can be fixed when you go spend some time with Jesus because a lot of the things that I'm lashing out about or upset about is because there's something in me that's not right, you know. And when I fix what's wrong in me, then it's easier to love each other. But, um, I mean, you've got to give grace to each other. And those moments when they're acting crazy, (laughs) you just got to give grace. There's, you want grace given to you, so you have to return the grace. Yeah. Well, I think that, uh, you know, even with that is that, um, you know, love is, is not a feeling. Love is a, a decision. It's a choice that you make. Now, when, when you got together, you thought, man, they look good. And we're going to, you know, you watch too many Hallmark movies and things like that. And you just thought, oh, we're just going to live happily ever after. There's a reason that they say happily ever after and never show you what it looks like because they ain't got a clue. Because <laughs> happily ever after is on the other side of some work. It is. And, and, and happily ever after is possible. It is possible. But it is going to take some work. It's going to take some honesty. It's going to take uh, growing and maturing. I mean, that's really, you know, you know we're like, I'm, a, I'm an adult and I'm married and I got kids, but are you mature? Married and mature are not the same thing. I had to become more mature as I've been married and I have to continue to become more mature because it's amazing how much that video, I'm like, she did what? See, this, see, it actually happened twice with the key. Twice. The first time I did not respond well. The second time I learned. I said, I'm on my way, baby. Why? You know, why? Because that actually takes some maturity. You know, I mean, and there are things. And so even in those moments, though, but, but love really is. 
And he's matured a lot over the years. Because if that happened in the beginning of our marriage, I would have gotten like this long lecture. <laughs> see who's telling on who now? See. Uh-huh. Let me see what I can point out now. I'm just kidding. <laughs> Let me show my maturity real quick. No. But no, I mean, but there is, you know, I mean, love is a decision. Aren't you glad that God did not wait until we grew up and got right before he decided to love? The Bible says that while we were stupid, this is the David translation. (laughs) While we were stupid, God loved us and what? Gave himself for us. So while your spouse may be crazy, you can choose to give yourself for them. Because love is a decision. It's not a feeling. It's not an emotion. Like, well, I just don't have the feelings that I used to have. Things have changed. I've fallen out of love. Well, you, you didn't wake up one day and be like, oh, I'm in love. You fell in love and you fell out of love. Why? Because you quit doing what you did in the beginning. And that's what happens. You know, it, because why? Because the connection, the relationship has not been maintained. You thought you would just put gas in the tank one time and you were good forever. No, you got to keep putting fuel in the tank if you want to keep going. And so even in these moments and many times, uh, because it's okay to not like your spouse some days. Some days you're just not going to like them. But I love you. And that's okay. Don't, don't buy into the lie that we see. You know, I mean, we see stuff all the time on the news. You see it about couples and You know, where it seems like they're on top of the world. Next thing you know, they're divorced and all this chaos and all these things are going on. And that's why, because behind closed doors, they were just putting on a front. Or I'm sorry, out in front of everybody, they were putting on a front. But behind closed doors is very different. They're just living up to appearances, you know, and and that's not God's desire at all. So do you have something else? Hey, dear. Huh? I love you, but we got to move on. We got to move on. We got to move on. See? Okay, what's the next one? Which one do we want to go to next? We've got questions, loud questions too. I know. <laughs> All right, tell you what, I'm going to scroll through these real quick. All right, let me give you this one. Talk about, so somebody asked a question about how do you deal with in-laws and boundaries? Mm. In-laws or outlaws, whichever way you want to look at them. We all got them, right? And so I want to put a graphic up here on the screen. I think this is cool. It's Genesis 2.24. Uh, and so, uh, so, I think this is neat. So the scripture is, this is why a man leaves his father and mother and becomes attached to his wife and they shall become one flesh. So you look at it, the top one there says a man. So the first requirement for marriage is maturity, right? So you gotta, you gotta be mature. You don't wanna marry a boy, ladies. Somebody, one of the questions that somebody texted in was, how do you, get, how do you know, or what's one of the qualifications to get married? Ladies, let me help you out. One of the qualifications for being a man is you got a J-O-B, if your man ain't working, he ain't marriage material. Uh, you say, well, well, you know, I just, you say, well, that seems harsh. I could prove it scripturally. So I don't have time, but I could. <laughs> but a man, I'm trying to, see, I'm trying to listen to my wife. She's telling me I need to hurry up. A man requires some maturity. Leaves, there's some transition. His father and mother, which was what? A, 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 a model of a family. But he has to leave that. He has to become attached In other words, a new family. A new entity has formed to his wife, which is to complement him. Not to dominate him, not for him to dominate her. It is complementary to one another. And they become, it's a process. 
You got married in a day, but you will make a marriage in a lifetime. So, it, so that becoming is a process of learning, friendship, and trust, and they will become one flesh, which is what? Deep intimacy between two people. So one of the things about this that's very important is that your spouse should be your best friend. If somebody is closer than your spouse, you're in trouble. And I, and I don't mean even in a sexual sense. I mean, men, your wife should be your best friend. You're like, yeah, but my buddies, they just understand me. Of course they do. They're a knucklehead just like you. <laughs> right? I mean, of course they do. But your wife, which is going to require what? You to invest. You're like, yeah, but that's tiring. You asked her to marry you, didn't you? Did she like bamboozle you into marrying her? Because at one time you would have jumped over burning walls to be with her. But today you don't want to. And you wonder why you're not attracted to her. That's, that's what that produces, that process of time. And it's important. And so, you know, I think it's interesting that we have to protect our marriage. We have to protect our relationship, you know, from even from family, from friends and in-laws. You're like, well, what do you mean by all this? And the question is about in-laws and boundaries. Here's some of the, the natural or the practicals of this that we've done is that I talk to my family. She talks to hers. So if, say, one of my sisters. And our families don't know more about us mm-hmm. than we do. Yep. Like, hmm. Moms or dads are not closer than we are. Yep. We got to keep it right here first. Yep. And then they can be a part. Yeah, I mean, and there's one thing, you know, I, I mean, I'll, just in practical, I'll give you just kind of a, an example. Who do you call first? Who's the first person you call? Like even in your relationship, are you looking to, to bring it back together? Or are you looking to call somebody else? Because that'll tell you a lot right there. Who do you turn to? And so you've got to have some boundaries in, in your relationship. There are things in your relationship that are strictly for you and your spouse. Not for your mom or your dad or your sister or your brother or whoever to speak into. Your coworker. Because if I go and vent to him about my family, then my family's upset every time they see him, you know. Or they're like, well, he did that to you. You know, and so then you're creating division even within the families and disrespect for your spouse, you know, and, and you got over it, but your family didn't get over it, you yeah. know, because you had been, whatever you had been it about, but yeah. Yeah. And, and it's not that, that, I mean, I have a, we have great relationships with our family. Like I actually knew her brother before I knew her and, um, you know, and so we've had a good relationship, you know, on both sides of our families. Um, you know, so we're very blessed in that way. Um, but there are times where, I have to go talk to maybe one of my sisters and say, hey, you crossed the line right there. I just need you to understand. You need to respect us as a married couple. Like it's not your job to fix her. And sometimes family can have a way of, of inserting information where they've not been invited. And so we have to protect our, our marriage. We have to protect that relationship. And it's very important uh, to do that um, because, you know, uh, it will solidify because what it, it breeds trust. It, it builds trust. That, hey, that, that, okay, you've left. Like, they're your family, but you've left them, and, and you're with me. And, and I think it's very important uh, to do that. And so you have to set boundaries. And here's the reason you have to set boundaries, because they won't. They won't, so you have to. 
you know. And so I know that there's lots of dynamics and of relationships and different things. And some people can be a little more overbearing than others, so forth, so on. But you have to set those boundaries and say, no, this is what we do. Like another, like if your family shows up without calling and that's an issue for your spouse, you need to deal with that. You will respect our family by calling before you come. That's the, that's the beauty of me living a few hours away. They ain't going to just show up. <laughs> like, ah, just in the neighborhood. No, you weren't. <laughs> like, no, you weren't. You're going to call before you come. And it's something that small, you know. Uh, but that could be a, 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 an area that you really got to, to deal with. And so, do you have anything to add to that? Anything else? Okay. Am I just picking the ones I want, I guess? I or the ones I, I feel are most important? We got to yeah. All right. I told you we were going longer today. So, y'all can not look at that clock. And uh, so here's, here's a good one, uh, and I think this will help. Uh, so it says, for singles, how do you know when it's the one? How do you know? It's because angels sing and a beacon of light. It's like, <laughs> that's how you know, uh, you know. So, no, that's no. not how it works at all. And, uh, you know, but do you want to speak to that first? Or do you want me to? I mean, I would say, you know, one thing that, it happened for us is in a, we were following God's plan. We were going after God with all that we had. And then we looked to the side and look who's running beside us, you know, and, um, they're following God and they're doing exactly, you know, what God has for them too, but putting God first and he always brings that person right alongside you. Um, sometimes it may take a little longer, <laughs> For that person to come, but I, I know that as you're seeking God first and, and working on yourself for you to be that good mate, and because um, you can't be, it doesn't create for a good marriage if you're not trying to mature before you get there, you know, and you're trying to work on yourself because there's going to be a lot of dying to self once you <laughs> get yep. married. So, Yeah, and the other thing I would say, too, is that... Um, don't put too much pressure on yourself. I don't believe that there is one perfect person for you. Mm-hmm. Now, there is somebody who is better suited for you, yes. I, I, I do believe that. Because, like, I mean, even for, for our life, I mean, we've had to move and, you know, and, but there's certain sacrifices that I have to make. Sometimes I get calls late at night, and so I get called away from the family or whatever the case may be. Well, not everybody's okay with that. You know, and so there are things uh, because of what I'm called to do and really what we're called to do that wouldn't necessarily work as well with somebody with a different mindset or different approach or whatever you want to say. And, and so, but there are people who are better suited to be your mate. There's temperament, there's different things, yes. But ultimately, like how do you know, you know, I mean, you've got to have a peace in your heart, yes. Um, but I would also listen to counsel around you, wise counsel around you. Um, you know, but ultimately, it, it, I mean, you know, like I, I'll give you an example. This me and Derek had dated for two and a half years. Uh, and, and so I was, I, I knew I really liked her. I knew I was like really, really liked her. But I was like, how do I know if I love her? And so um, I'd had this opportunity to go lead an internship for about two months uh, where I left and I traveled for about two months. And I was probably about 2021, I led an internship um, that we traveled and did all this stuff. And so I went, you know, again, I'm just being honest with you. I went on that trip saying, because I told her, I said, I don't want to talk. Now, we'd been dating for two, two and a half years at this point, something like that. And I told her, I said, hey, I don't want to talk the whole time I'm gone. And she was like, what? 
And so the first week we're talking and she, you know, we're, you know, whatever back and forth. And I finally was just like, hey, this is a distraction and I really need to be praying and, and focusing. On, and it wasn't a cop out uh, because that was true. We were traveling and our schedule was kind of crazy and all this. But here was my, here was my thing. Because I didn't want to marry somebody I could live with. I wanted to marry somebody I couldn't live without. And so this was the, my thought, and this was the honest truth. I said, I'm not going to talk to her for about six weeks. It was about six weeks that we didn't talk. And I said, if she's not the first person that I want to see when we stop in Shreveport at our church to do a, to do a service there, if she's not the first person I want to see, then I'm going to break off the relationship. Now, that may sound really cold. But obviously, we're sitting here today talking about marriage. It was one because of those movie moments where you're running towards each other and give a hug. And he it really was. Like the spinning around. The whole thing. Yeah, it really was. I, I mean, yeah, I could have tripped over myself. You know, and, and so, I mean, you know, it's like the old saying, absence makes the heart grow fonder. Yeah. Absolutely it did. And, and so you don't want to just be desperate to find somebody to marry. That's not a good place to, to look for a mate from. Uh, you really want to wait and say, God, I'm, I'm waiting for you to send me the right person. Uh, and it's important to be patient. And, uh, you, you know, and I've even had, I've actually had somebody ask me before. They're like, I think I married the wrong person. What do I do? And, and this is going to seem simplistic. Whose name's on your marriage certificate? Is that them? Well, yeah, that's them. Then you married the right person. I, I, you know, and I say that somewhat jokingly, but in the same time, if you're married, I believe God can work in any situation. Unless there's infidelity, unless there's a reason from the word of God that says, hey, this marriage can, I believe God can work and God can move and God can do amazing things, even, I mean, even when we can't see it. And so it's important, uh, you know, in those ways, uh, but even especially when you're looking. Now, I mean, if you're not dating anybody, here's my encouragement. Go date a few people. Don't marry the first person you date. There's a live question that kind of goes along with what you're okay. talking about. But it says, um, what would you say is the most important thing to consider before stepping into marriage? Do they love God more than you? That's my answer. Mm-hmm. That one matters more than anything else. Because it gets hard. And if you don't lean on the Holy Spirit and lean on God during those times, I can see why a marriage would fall apart quickly. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I say, do they love God more than you? Because it's going to make a difference. It's going to make a huge difference. You know, one of the questions that we had, which uh, was about being unequally yoked. You know, in other words, Second Corinthians chapter 6 talks about that. You know, like a believer and a non-believer. doesn't mean that God can't work in that marriage, but it's not God's, necessarily God's best. But if, if you find yourself there, God will work. And you can begin to believe the Bible talks about that many times, uh, about believing for an unsaved mate. Um, you know, uh, and, and we see that, and I've seen it happen time and time and time again. Uh, but especially on the front side, you want to marry somebody that you can actually pray with. You want to marry somebody who understands what you believe, your, your core convictions. And, and it's important to have those things. And so your faith is huge. Why? Because if they love God, that means God's working in their life. And you need God working in their life as much as you need God working in your life. And, and so that's... Um, you know, very, very important there. And so, um, let's see here. So, here's a question that, that I'll answer. You can look through some of the ones that we've gotten live, and I'll, I'll speak to this one quickly. Uh, but even setting priorities, as I ask the question about setting, how do you set priorities in your marriage? Uh, there's a, 
a few big ones. Um, you know, but obviously, uh, finances, family, how do you raise your kids? How are you going to discipline your kids? Um, you know, goals, desires, where do we want to be in 10 years? Where do we want to be in 20 years? Some of those things, those are all very important. But again, that goes back to communication. Um, but it's, it's really more about having a vision for your marriage. Like, why did God bring us together? And, and what does, what is God's intention for our union? He has a plan. I mean, God's never been like, oh my gosh, they got married? Like, shoot. Like, what am I going to do? Like, God can work, you know, in any situation. I believe that. Um, you know, and, and, and so, but you do have to set a vision. Like, how, how are you going to win in your relationship? How do we know if we're winning? I mean, if you, if you write it out and you say, hey, here's our goals. Go on a long drive. Yeah, go on a drive talk. I mean, guys like to talk more in the car. I don't know why, but... That's when I get the most out of him. It's when we're on a drive. And they write down. That's your, what you've been doing to me all the years. <laughs> write down your goals and visions you have together. And, yeah. you know, dream a little together and see what happens and what comes out of that. Like, I would love to see the, us do this. I would love to see us go here. I would love, you know, for our marriage to look like this. And, yep. Um, we dream together a lot. So Yeah. There was a question that, let me see if I put it on here. I may have to pull it off my phone. Um, that it was along this line. Oh, here it is. So, and it goes along the same line of priorities, which is why should parents, um, or what should parents do to maintain closeness uh, that they will survive the post-parenting years, which I think is funny. It sounds like the goal of parenting is to survive. Like, I'm like, that's a good question because sometimes it feels that way, doesn't it? It's like, I'm just trying to survive these kids so that I can live. But uh, there was a second question that followed up with that as well. And it says, for those whose children have already left the nest, how do they reconnect? In other words, the kids were there. They realized kids have left. And now we don't really know each other. What do we do? Right? And so, but the answer to both of these questions is actually very similar. So how do you survive your kids? And how do we get back closeness that we've lost? You have to go back and do what you did in the beginning. Let me say it this way. You have to date your spouse. You have to date your spouse. You know what you did when you were dating? A lot of stuff you didn't like. Right? I went to a ballet. Okay? I went to see The Nutcracker because my wife was a ballerina and loved that. And when I was dating, I went with a smile. Even though everything in me is going, why in the world am I here? This is stupid. After it was over, we even went and took pictures with the Nutcracker on the stage. And he's like, I am this close to guys in tights. And this is awkward. (laughs) It was very awkward. It was very awkward. But it was a great date for me. And I know it was a lot for him. But But you know what? I, I did it. Yeah. But you know what? That was 18 years ago. I took up disc golf because he liked disc golf. I got my own bag of disc. And then when I throw the disc, he watches out because it doesn't go away. She'll decapitate you. I'm just telling you. (laughs) She will take your head off. But, no, it is. You have to be intentional. Let me say it this way. Is that you have to spend time together. You're like, doing what? Anything. Like, what if we don't like it? Who said anything about liking it? (laughs) The important thing is the time together. Yeah. Why? Because when you, like, specifically, when you had kids, you went to their games. You went to their recitals. What happened in between? You talked. When the kids are gone, you don't have that common thing to come to. You're going to have to go find some things to do. So you're going to have to be very intentional and very purposeful about, be, about dating one another. You know, we did something on Valentine's Day this year. 
We went out to eat, and so we did something. You can actually uh, pull it up online, but it's uh, questions. Basically, it's like taking your spouse on a first date, and it was like 40 questions. It was great. Mm-hmm. Why? Because it gave me questions to ask that I'm like, I don't know what else. We've been talking for 20 years. I don't know what to say. <laughs> what don't I know about you? But you know what? I actually asked some questions that I got answers that I didn't know about. And I was like, really? <laughs> now, there were some of them that we were like, hey, why don't you see if you can answer this one for me? Like, you know, like you favorite really childhood me? memory. And guess what? We both got it. We were both right. You know, but then it was, you know, where's a place that you want to go that, that you've never been? I mean, just things to get a conversation going. And so there may be things that you can use like that just to mm-hmm. kind of get some conversation going. But you got a date. You fell in love and you might have to fall back in love. But it, you're going to have to be intentional. So uh, those, those would be my answers to that one. So, all right, you got anything live? We're going over. Um, now I'm the one telling you hurry up. See? <laughs> Uh, one of these, it says, uh, my husband wants me to talk to him in man speak, a few, uh, words and short conversations, and I need to express myself in woman speak and, uh, talking it through and telling him what I'm feeling and how do we find a common ground, um, one that, uh, he can stand while I'm helping me, um, feel what I'm feeling and, um, where we've really, where we've really both been hurt. <laughs> I do shorten it for him just because, um, and I mean, he does listen well though. He does. If I need to get, I, first I started off with, I need to vent about this. I don't need you to fix the problem. It's just the worst thing in the world to tell me. Don't fix the problem. I just want to fix it. Let's just move on. I need to let it out. Okay. So you're the one I'm going to let it out to I don't need you to fix it, and I don't need, you know, I just need you to listen right now. And so then, um, after that, I might ask, so what do you think? (laughs) Then you can try to fix whatever. (laughs) But, um, you know, hopefully that helps. I don't know if that, um, I think I try to shorten it for him a lot of times if I really want a clear answer and not just annoy him, so... Clear answers or clear questions get clear responses, <laughs> you know. So, um, but the other thing I would say, ladies, that one of the things that you could do uh, potentially is to say, hey, can I have 10 minutes? Give it a time frame. Because the worst or thing in the if, world if it is needs to, to. If it's a longer thing, say, hey, later, we need to take some time to talk about this, you know. Um, so it's on their radar and they're like, okay, I can yeah. set time aside so we can yeah talk. I mean she'll tell me like hey I need to have a longer conversation which tells me I'm not going to be there for 10 minutes like that tells me like hey just clear your calendar for a few I need some time to talk to talk and so and we have to be you know and then but there's also there's, there's a give and take with that because she understands that I'm like give me a b c d and let's let's you know I'm like just so get to the point. So if you don't want him to go there, because that's a man thing to fix every problem, you know. If you don't want him to go there, you got to say, "Hey, no, I just I just need time out. I just need you to listen." <laughs> nope. So as otherwise, it's automatic. They just want to fix the problem. <laughs> so, We're fixers. Yeah. So, anything else um, that you saw? Because I'm not paying attention to it. I think I think you covered the other ones. So. All right. 
Um, well, I mean, we have some more questions, and we may answer some of these out on social media and put out some things, uh, this and that. But, um, you know, one of the things that I wanted to do this morning was I wanted to pray over uh, all of the married couples. Um, you know, there's an attack on marriage in our country. Uh, we see it culturally. But really, the truth of it is, is that it's not just in our country. It's, it's demonic. And it's been since the beginning of time. Why? Because of this, very simply, is that marriage represents God. It represents him. And, and even when you go back to the first marriage, Adam and Eve, it was harmonious. Everything was, it was in harmony. Everything was in sync. Things were not chaotic. And so they were in Eden together. Their relationship was perfect. And the enemy came to, to bring chaos into perfection. He's still doing the same thing. And God wants there to be harmony. There, he wants there to be this connection that we're on the same page with our spouse. Why? Because there's power in agreement. There, there, you know, I mean, God doesn't like confusion. He doesn't like chaos. I mean, the Bible says that he's not the author of confusion, but where there's peace, he's in the midst. You know, one of the things, and we didn't talk to it um, today, but I'll mention it quickly, is that one of the things that Darab and I have always done is we've always prayed over our home, is that this is a place of peace. We don't allow chaos. When we were youth pastors, we would have teenagers in our house all the time. Well, how many even know with teenagers comes drama? I would kick them out of my house and say, you can go have that conversation outside because this is a peaceful place. And we protect it. We both do. It's very valuable to us. That's our sanctuary. That's the place where we go to, re- to relax. And, and so, you know, even in your own home, and that may even be in your own relationship, the enemy's going to try to come in and to what? To sow strife, to begin to tear things down. And, and that's not God's desire. God's desire is that it would be a place of safety and a place of peace for you. And so, I want to pray over those of you who are married. So, um, we're going to stand up. they got to come grab some of this stuff. But we're going to pray over you. And so, if you're with your spouse, if you're close by them, I know some of you have your spouses in different areas. But if you're close to them, you can just grab their hand, put your arm around them. And uh, we want to pray over you. And uh, we believe that, that prayer makes a difference. But I also want to pray just that God works in your relationship. You may be here and you, you may even be engaged and you're saying, well, you know, we're in a relationship with somebody. But if you believe that this is headed towards marriage, um, you know, I would encourage you to, to just uh, participate, if you will. And I'm even going to pray for those of you who don't have a spouse yet, but you have a desire uh, to have a spouse. Is that God's desire is that, yes, that you have a spouse. So let's just pray this morning. Father God, we thank you so much for this morning. Father, we thank you for every relationship, every marriage that's represented in this room, all those that are watching online as well. Father, we thank you. Father, that your desire was for marriage to be a blessing, not to be a burden. And so, Father, we thank you, Father, for your grace. We thank you for your wisdom. Father, in our lives, in our relationships, Father, we thank you. Father, for your blessing upon our relationships, Father, we thank you. That, Father, what you've intended for good, Father, the enemy would love to come in and tear apart. But, Father, we thank you that you would draw us closer one to another as we draw closer to you, Father. That our relationship with you makes all the difference in our relationship with one another. So, Father, we ask you to work mightily in every relationship. Father, I know that there's relationships that may be good, but, Father, they could be even better. There's maybe even some relationships that are strained. But, Father, I thank you that you would work in the midst of their in the midst of their relationship now. So, Father, I thank you if there's healing that needs to take place. Father, I thank you that you're the one who goes into all the broken places. And, Father, you cause them to be whole. So, Father, we thank you right now for your presence, for your anointing, Father, that it makes all the difference in our lives, in our relationships. And, Father, I thank you for it. In Jesus' name, amen.